1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, I want to read from the Message Bible this morning. The Bible says, Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim His truth. The Bible says, Go after a life of love. Everybody say with me, say, Go after. You know, it is the beginning of the year and every one of us is still in that New Year mood, feeling and, you know, getting our years right and setting things in place. It is not just exciting, but at the same time, it is important because if we set the direction and the pace right, firstly, you have to set the direction of your life this year and the pace. Because if you have direction but no pace, you will not get there. If you have pace but no direction, you'll get to a totally wrong place. Is that okay? If we set the purpose and our motives right, we will not only achieve what we set out to achieve in this brand new year, but we will also be able to live each day meaningfully. I want us to live every day meaningfully. If you want, say, Amen. This life... It's a gift from God. It is, when I, when I wake up every day, when I have to take my kids to school or pick them up, when I see my wife, I ask her just now, you have known so much about me. Do you still love me? She said, you are doing all right. <laughs> this life is a gift from God. Collective say. I say one more time. I say, this life is a gift from God. But how you live your everyday life is your expression of gratefulness to all that God has given to us and the goal that God has blessed us with. Our expression of gratefulness to all that He has done and all that God has given to us is how we should approach each brand new day. I'm excited because 2019, there's going to be a lot that we can see and a lot that we can do. And the best part about starting the new year as a believer is this, is that we first go after the visions and the dreams of God for our church. All right? We first go after the things of God. And then to first have His vision enlarge our lives before we pursue or go after our own goals so that we may know how to fit into the big picture of the mission of God here on earth. The reason why I just said what I said just now is that if it is left to ourselves, our visions and our dreams of life will always certainly be too small. If it's left to our own, we will just want to do what is safe what is comfortable, don't rock the boat, just keep sailing, sail through. If we made it another year, life would be pretty okay. But as a Christian, as a believer, and this week we had a special staff Bible study with Pastor Andrew, and uh, he taught us about the Gospel of John, and he began to expound to help us understand the big picture of what God is trying to do here on planet Earth. And then we, I realized at that point we exist here today so that we can be a part of the mission of God on planet Earth. So when, when our lives is designed in such a way, our days are designed in such a way that you are more concerned about the missions of God here on Earth, very naturally, our lives will be bigger. So last week, we came to church. When we came to church, we hear about the plans, the dreams, the goals of the church. For me, this is how I do my goals. I don't do my goals first. I let the church do the church goals and strategy first. And so now we heard that our goal this year is seven plus seven. We hear about the 10,000 people who want to reach out in the mission field. We know about the two locations that we're going to plant, Collective Bangsa and Collective KL, and then here becoming Collective Central. And then we hear about all the strategies that God wants us to pursue this year. I will go home and ask God, God, how much do you want me to give this year? 
God, how much do you want me to work this year? Because when I live like that, very naturally, my life would be expanded. I am a little different. I, I look at the needs of the church. I say, God, this is how much I want to give. Please provide the seeds in my hand. I'm going to trust you, God. Whatever that you want me to give, I pray in your own miraculous way, you will provide for me so that I can always sow into the kingdom of God. And that is why I want all of us to learn to first know what is the overall vision of the church before we write our own personal vision for life. Because next week, you are going to attend Billion Dollar Life workshop. I, I read this in a Business Insider uh, the other day. It says this, billionaires... How many of you want to become billionaires? You know how many zeros in a billion of us? If you can't figure that out, that's a good place to start, okay? Billionaires realize that the world is pliable. With enough pressure, and I want to say as Christian, prayer applied to an endeavor, sufficiently resourceful people really can change the world. Contrast that with the rest of us who are more likely to assume that the state of the world as static or given. And so billionaires realize if I just put a bit more force and Christians, if we realize that if I just put in a little more prayer to the endeavor that God has assigned for me to do, we know that we can really change our world. Sometimes a lot of us, we are static. That means we are passive. We wait for things to happen. We wait for God to deliver us a word when God has already told us everything He needed to tell us in the Bible. We wait for God to do this for us, to open a door, to open a window, and we wait for things to change. We wait for the economy to do well before we do something. And then, but the billionaires, people who are truly successful, realize that if I just be a little more resourceful, things can get done. And I want us to carry this new mindset in 2019 that if I am a little bit more resourceful and which all of us should be because we have a great God, a God who creates the universe, all the more your world is going to change for the better. Turn your neighbor say, I like this guy already. So as a futurist, as a person whose future is secure in God because our God is a God who owns everything, who owns the future of our lives, all the more we need to realize what is the mission of God here on planet Earth and how can I be a part of that mission. Our God is not static. Jesus is alive. And everybody say, Amen. So before we achieve, attempt to achieve the goals that God has given to our church and ourselves right at the start, we need to first ensure that we ourselves are in the right shape because if you truly want to run with a good pace, we've got to be in the right shape. And we've got to run in the right direction and in the right health and in the right mindset. The church is only as healthy as we are collectively. Amen. The church is only as healthy as we are collectively. And I shared with you two weeks ago, Ubuntu. I am because we are. Some of us, you're running. Some of us, you're not running yet. But I pray when you see someone that's running, it encourages you, it inspires you to run. And if you are running, keep on running because somebody needs to see you running so that they can start running. Not, huh, you run so fast, I don't want to run anymore. And that is totally not the mindset that I like us to have. The Bible says, go after a life of love. And as a futurist, as people that are secure in the future, this Sunday morning, I want to share with you the five foundations that every futurist should lay. Are you guys okay? Number one, the five things I want every one of us this morning to really lay a good foundation in our lives. Number one, it's faith. Every futurist needs to realize that they are spiritual. Every one of us here, you've got to realize that you are a spiritual being. 
And there is that edge on the inside of us because we are a spiritual being. It creates a desire for God, a, a longing to be in God's presence and to yearn after the meaning and the purpose of life. There is this thing, you call it gap, you call it void, you can call it vacuum, that is inside us that causes us to be uneasy when things get too comfortable, that causes us to be uneasy when we seem to be stagnant, and causes us to question life, to question things like midlife crisis. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When, when the people are getting older, they start buying sports cars, that's midlife crisis. You know, when you've been working in a company for a while, you wanted to change job for no reason, that's midlife crisis. But, but more than just that, it is that dissatisfaction by asking ourselves, they ought to be more in life. And so created in us, there is the desire and the longing for God. Psalms 84 and verse 2. The Bible says, How lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul yearns, yes, even pines and is homesick for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. The, the psalmist says, I'm homesick for the courts of the Lord. How can the psalmist be homesick if he has never been to heaven before? How can the psalmist be longing for home if he has never been in God's heavens before? It is because there was that longing. There was that desire to always wanting to draw close to God. And so we need to understand in 2019 that we are who we are no matter what we do or where we are. And this is what I want to say. Basically, there is no distinction for all of us here that certain things are spiritual and certain things are secular. There is no spiritual and secular divide. That means you cannot say, okay, right now I'm in church, this is spiritual. Afterwards, going for lunch, that is secular. No, you are you. Everybody say, I am me. You cannot separate yourself. You, you cannot say, hey, right now, I am this. Afterwards, I'm that. No matter where you are, you are you. Your work on Monday, oh, public holiday, praise God. But your work on Tuesday is as spiritual as your prayer time. Are you guys with me? All right? And your family time is as spiritual as your worship in church. If you are a dad, you are a spiritual father to your children 24-7. If you're a believer, you carry God's presence 24-7. So very often, it is when we draw a distinction between what is spiritual and what is secular that we begin to conveniently leave God out of our world. Okay, I'm going to work now. God, if I don't need you, don't disturb me. Let me do my own thing. And after a while, you don't need God anymore. You leave God out and God only is needed when we are in trouble. I want to encourage you this year to build your faith. To join the team and be a part. I mean, Sarah said, if you have no gift, join experience. Well, I want you to know every one of us has a gift. Every one of us can be a part of the team and do something. So this year, build your faith. Spend time alone to pray and just dwell in God's presence. If you have never done it before, you do not know how, the simplest first step is to turn on to Spotify. If you can just start by listening to one worship song and don't look at your phone and don't do any other thing, just be still and listen to one, one song and be in God's presence, that way, it's a great start. Is it hard? No, we listen to our playlist hours after hours. But I'm just saying, just one song. Take time alone to dwell in God's presence. Yes, you can present your need, but you can spend time with God. I am very excited because tomorrow, a team of us, we are going to Chiang Mai. 
It is going to be a time where all of us will be in this Catholic retreat center where we will spend one week not talking to anybody. I know my team is getting a bit nervous now. They are already talking like, are you sure we really cannot talk? Can we WhatsApp each other or not? Can we have Wi-Fi? Can we, can we communicate with the world and everything? I just want you to know as a pastor, I look forward to that. I look forward to a time where I, I, I can just be alone with God, just pray, walk around, talk to God, and, and create that space in my life for God to speak to me. Take time out, church alone to read and meditate on the Word of God. Take time out this year, every now and then, to read and study the Word of God. And you only know that the Word of God is taking effect when it is shaping your action and your reaction. When you begin to behave in a way that is totally different from how you normally behave, then you know the Word of God is taking effect in your life. Number two, apart from laying a foundation on your faith, secondly, on your family. I command you, I guess no pastor ever said that, but I command you this year to spend quality time with your family. I command you to make it a point to spend time with your children, to talk to them, to play with them, to pray with them, to eat with them. Build this household that God has given to you. This is our first ministry. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle not quarrelsome, not a lover for money, of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Really, guys, it all starts from home. Pray together. Read the Bible to your children. Be a role model of faith. Be a role model of faith. What is being a role model of faith? As parents, you'll be surprised how much your children are looking at you. If you're tired, you skip church. Don't ask them to go to church when they are tired because they will think you have done the same. If you're busy and you skip church, don't expect them to keep coming to church when they are busy because we have done the same. But if we learn to serve God, we learn to come to church week in and week out, do the works of God, even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel lousy about ourselves, just keep turning up. Your children will begin to understand that, hey, mom and dad, go to church regardless of their emotion. It is independent of how they feel. Carry with you the fear of God in your life. Eat with them. Turn to your neighbor, say, eat with me. Hold their hands. I, I want to encourage everyone, if you're a parent and you have kids growing up towards teenager, hold their hands in the public. Hold, you should be holding their hands from when they were young all the way until now so that they will think that it is cool that my dad will hold my hand. Because the world will tell them that it is not cool to hold your dad's hand when you have grown up. Are you with me? Are you with me? Why, why are we allowing the world to tell us that it is not cool for us to hold our kid's hand? I hold my son's hand. I kiss him. I hug him in the public. Now, if you are a young adult now and your parents are around, hold your parents' hand. I just lost all my friends. <laughs> hold your parents' hands. Walk with them. I know they will nag you, but just walk with them. Hold their hands. Spend time with them. Family is that one thing 
That is from there that it transpires all the values that we carry in our lives. Amen. Number three, I want to talk about finance. Every futurist lay a strong foundation in finance. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, but 2,000 verses on money. 15% of Jesus' teaching, when he was here on earth, he talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because Jesus knows that if you are not able to manage money, your life can be held on earth. But if you learn how to manage your money well, you will be a blessing to many people. Jesus knows that it is perfectly fine when we own money, but he also knows that it is utter destruction when money begins to own us. Money is amoral. Money is neutral. Money is what you give meaning to it. It is neither sinful nor sinless. But the love of money, placing it above God, make it and turns it into idolatry. And as a church, I don't want us to be a place where, you know, people will say, oh, you know, for one period of time, we hardly talk about money. Because I got this fear at the back of my mind that people will start saying, wow, your church always talks about money. Well, I want you to know if as a pastor of this church, if I do not teach you how to manage money and our church are constantly in debt, I mean the members are constantly in debt, then I'm not a good pastor to all of you. Are you with me? And I don't want you to pursue money as if money is the answer to everything in life. Jesus knows how dangerously attractive money can be. And it is the inability to handle money that causes the main, one of the main reasons for divorces in our world today. I want us to be wise in handling money. And that is why Raymond and Mason and Winnie and Sin and CK, they're organizing this billion dollar life seminar. I just want you to know they are not going to give you tips for blue chips. That's not the reason why we organize it. Like, I don't want, you know, like, don't embarrass me. After the session, go up to Raymond and say, so which share do I start with? You missed the point. Debt is not a result of poor earnings, but a consequence of unwise, uncontrolled spending. People will always say, Pastor, if only I earn 1,000 ringgit more, I would be debt-free. I want you to know, if you earn 1,000 ringgit more, your shopping also go to another level. Am I right? We used to like Casio and Seiko and, you know, and then when we got older, we like other brands, our shoes change, our clothing change. It has nothing to do with how much we earn, but so much more how we spend our money wisely. I want you to know, listen, you don't need to eat at expensive places all the time to lift your ego. And you don't need to post it on Instagram. And now I lost the whole church. <laughs> some, some of us, really, I want you to know, I think Instagram and Facebook are designed for pastors. It has made pastoring so much easier for me. I know exactly who went where for dinner. And I know exactly how much they spend. And sometimes I just want you to know, my wife and I, we are not young anymore. We are earning more than what we used to earn. It worries us because we couldn't afford to eat in those places that you guys are taking pictures of. I don't know how you do it. I have a family of four people and my wife spends about 800 bucks a week for the entire family for food. A week or a month? A week. 800 bucks a week. Wow, we are eating a lot of stuff. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. No, just, 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 don't scare them. We don't eat so much. It includes milk powder, milk powder. Sorry, paise, paise, take out the milk powder. Milk powder is already 200 bucks. So, my point is this. When we eat at home, 
we are not just cooking for ourselves. We're also inviting people. Remember 27 free nights? Yes, we invite people to come to our house and break bread, have a meal. But some of you, Monday night Japanese, Tuesday night Western, Thursday night go somewhere, and then after that watch movie. Guys, you don't need to elevate your lifestyle as if you have made it. Are you with me or not? Are you guys with me? Are you okay? Man, I feel like no one is with me today. Like, are you guys with me or not? Is it hard to digest? I, Pastor Keith one day walked to me. He said, Pastor, I want you to know uh, what watches successful people wear. Okay, I said, the ngam ngam come out to work. They will wear Seiko. Okay, because it is more expensive than Casio, all right? And then if they have made it to a certain level, they will wear Rolex or Panerai to let people know that they've reached a certain uh, 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 level in their life. And then if they are a CEO or whatever, then they will start to wear more expensive brands like Cartier or, 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 or JLC or, or Patek Philippe. But he said this, he said this. Pastor, I said, why are you telling me all this? He said, do you know the super really rich they will wear a watch that was given free when they pump petrol. <laughs> you know why? Because they've got nothing to prove. And so, this week, don't, because I'm in silent retreat, so I'm very free, don't post food photos. Okay? It doesn't help. Take care of your finances. Turn to the neighbor and say, take care of your finances. Social media is not quite the same as social responsibility. You all know that, right? Social media is not quite as social responsibility. You don't have to tell the whole world. I want you to know this. Are you guys okay? Am I preaching okay? You all feel like disconnected from me today. Is it hard to digest or not? I, I want to tell you, I am... 44 years old this year. Oh gosh, Baji, what happened? I'm 44. But I was a young adult before. And I know how young adults live every month. So you will get your salary. The first two weeks, you would have finished up all your money. You will survive the next two weeks on credit card. Then your salary will come out. Then you have the salary to pay the credit card. And then after that, you have money enough for the first two weeks and then you're broke, and then you will survive on credit card again. This cycle got to stop. And so I was like that. I, 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 I want you to know my reasons are, are way better than yours because I use my credit card to buy things for the church. How noble. But actually, it's just the same problem like everybody else. So the church needs to buy something because we didn't have money. I pay first. And then when the church reimburse me the money, I go and spend the money instead of paying my credit card. So in no time, my, my, my debts in the credit card was, you know, like crazy. Every morning, not God, not my mom, not my dad will call me. Every morning, Stan Chad will call me. Sir, when are you paying? And I always pay the bare minimum 5% give you 100 bucks first and then my interest will be another 100 bucks and then I'll just keep doing that and it can just kind of snowball into a bigger and a bigger and a bigger problem and I want you to know it was a lousy feeling. It's just not able to manage my life properly and then, you know, I, I don't know how to explain this but when you're not doing well, you're not managing your life properly, everything crumbles. So I bought this stupid car Oh, sorry. I cannot say that S word in church. I bought this car. And the car always breaks down when I don't have money. And I hated it because I was trying to date my wife. We will drive down to KL and it's traffic jam and the aircon is not working. But we cannot wind down the window because it's hot outside. My wife saying, why did you buy this car? It's my dream car but your dream car has got no air con. <laughs> I fixed one time, fixed two times, fixed three times. And, and I just want you to tell you, it was, it was lousy period of my life. It was lousy feeling. I didn't, have time, I didn't have money to pay for the electricity bill in my house. I didn't have money to pay for my phone bills because I was just 
using money in all the wrong places. Anyway, God is a good God. Amen. He sent some people to help me. I paid off my debt. So I vowed to myself from that day onwards, I will change the way I live. I'll pay my credit card the moment it comes out. I will never miss the deadline and uh, I will never pay for any penalty ever again in my life and I change. But then something interesting that after that period, we bought this place and we didn't have money. Last week you heard the story. But we bought this place. I thought as a pastor, I got to be a role model. So let me just pledge and give to God. Some of you probably heard that story. One night, I just felt God came into my bedroom when my baby was just born. And God asked me, how are you doing? How many of you would love God to ask you, how are you doing? You know, my theory is this. If you're praying and God is talking to you, you're fine. But if you're not praying and God is speaking to you, you're in trouble. I wasn't praying. I was just happily walking in my house because church was doing well. We bought this building. And God says, my son, when was the last time you prayed? I said, I pray. I pray every day. I pray in church. I pray when I go to work. I pray. No. God says, when was the last time you truly needed to pray because you needed me? Then I was thinking for a while, looking out the window that night. My wife was in the bedroom. I said, you know what, God? I haven't been praying because I have no need. You have blessed me so much. I have more than enough every month. I can give to church. I can take care of my family. You're a good God. I'm not in debt anymore. God says, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Because you're doing so well now, because I bless you, you don't need me. I want you to need me. I say, okay. So can you imagine I've got this conversation in my head between God and me? I know you're very jealous, but you've got to build that spirituality in your life. I cannot help you, all right? But, but it was me. I was having this struggle, like, God, you know, and I said, so what do you want me to do? God says, I want you to learn to give up your salary. I said, God, over the years in church, I've given away my phone, I've given away my car, I've given away stuff left, right, center. Salary, what's that? I said, so, so can you imagine, right? I'm this crazy guy in the bedroom talking to God and my wife was busy carrying my baby and I was having this debate with God. I said, God, no problem. I'll give you my salary next month, straight away. When the salary comes out, I told Tai Long, I have to organize this. I'll give one month to church. It's easy. God says, yeah, I know one month is easy for you. That's why I'm not asking for one month. I said, okay, all right, let's do three months. I said, God, I'll... so it is still this conversation in my head. If you look at me at that time, it looked like this, inaudible. It was like that. Three months, no problem, God, I'll do it. Three months. God says, I know three months is not a problem for you because I have looked after you. You know, your family is in good shape and everything else. Okay, God, how long you want it to be? God said, I want you to try one year. Okay, now you got my attention. Okay, one year? Dude, I mean, God, how do you do one year without salary? So I remember those days, we see I have cell leaders training uh, I went to cell leaders training that night. Immediately, I told the batch of students, I said, God just spoke to me. I haven't agreed, but I want to tell you first. I, you know, God told me to give one year of my salary. I told them not because I want to brag about it. I told them because I want to make myself accountable. So I started one month, two months, three months, four months. And well, after the first year, when all of us were in a habit of doing New Year resolution, I said, God, I passed my test. One year is done. I've given up salary for one year. For your kingdom, hallelujah. Please don't catch on me anymore. Okay, God, you do your God job. I do my Kevin Lu job. And God says, hey. Again, he came to me and said, because in that one year, I've been praying like crazy. I said, God, some days we just don't have money. So a lot of people ask me, how did you survive? I say, Hannah, can you give me some money? I want to go out lunch. You know, it's a good habit. And, and after the first year, God say, hey, you didn't die. Thanks to you. Why don't you try another year? Oh, I said, God, really? Yeah, 
since you seem to be getting a hang of it, like, try another year. So, you know what? I didn't even tell my wife in the beginning, but I tried another year. So every month, the salary just goes straight into our building fund in those days. Second year passed. God said, hey, good job, man. I said, thank you. Still here. I said, yeah. Why don't you try another year? So it was year after year after year after year. So in total, four years. I'm so glad after the fourth year, I heard no more sound from my Father in heaven. So for four years. And I want you to know this, that in the four years, I didn't get my salary because when I speak, sometimes people give me a love gift and all that. But in that four years, I saved more money than I, I ever did because I thought I could outgive God and say, God, I've given you four years of my salary. What can you do to me? And then when I look back at my bank account, I realize I saved more money in that four years than all my life added together. And I say, God, how did that happen? God told me, because I formed a new habit in your life. I want you to know, church, nothing is more powerful than your habits. Visions are great, but it is your habits that will determine your life. You can have big dreams. God, I want to conquer the world. Tomorrow, wake up at 5 o'clock, go and run. God, I want to be the most successful business guy on planet Earth. Tomorrow, wake up early and pray and get yourselves ready for work. If you have a big dream but you cannot wake up in the morning, I can tell you, your future is not going to be bright. Are you with me or not? Get into the right habits. Go to bed early. You don't need to read all the news in the world. You don't need to know what your friends are doing on the other side of the planet Earth. Go to bed early because my dear friend Raymond told me 11 o'clock is everybody's cutoff time because that's where your liver needs to reprocess your body. So, I want to tell him I'm very proud. This week, there was one night I slept at 8.30. <laughs> You're my pastor, bro. And then there was another night I slept at 10 because I just want to beat that 11 o'clock. I just, so I woke up the next morning. I very worried whether my wife upset with me or not. Last night, I didn't take care of the kids. I just went to sleep because Raymond told me to go to bed. Afterwards, you ask him for the bill, okay? <laughs> Forming habits is the most powerful thing you can ever do to yourself in handling your finances. Is it helping you? Number four, fitness. And I'm not just talking about physical health. I'm also talking about emotional health. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, and every one of us knows this, that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, Not your spirit, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we have a responsibility to take good care of it. So turn the neighbor right out. Because this is the young people's scariest thing to hear. Sleep early. Everybody sleep early. Turn the neighbor say, New Year resolution, sleep early. The best is before 11. If the pastor call you, ignore him. All right? Drink more water. Amen. My God, I'm sounding like, I don't know what, exercise. Now turn to the other side of your neighbor and say, exercise. I want to tell you all this exercise regime. In the New Year resolution, right, everybody wears semangawan. The first three weeks, run like a mad person. Every day also run. After three weeks, shoes also gone already. Now, especially Chinese New Year is coming. Thanks, but no thanks to some people that gave me pineapple tart. I finished one box one day. You know what? Just keep on running. It doesn't matter whether you're slow, keep on running. Eat moderately. Oh my God, I'm speaking to myself. Turn neighbor, say eat moderately. And then fast. Fast for both physical and spiritual health. I, I want to tell you something funny. Are you guys okay? Recently, there's this very popular regime called intermittent fast. Uh, keto, ketogenics, is it? Whereby you eat to a certain time. Uh, is it 6 or 8 p.m.? And then you don't eat until lunch. Basically, 
is to skip breakfast. I want you to know, I'm the founder of intermittent fast because I never eat breakfast. <laughs> For the last 40 years, well, maybe not, last 30 years, this is the result of not eating breakfast. Suddenly, it becomes popular. Last time, you have to eat your breakfast like a king. You know why? Because they were lab laborers. They got to lift heavy stuff. These days, the heaviest stuff you got to lift is your phone. So, make sure that you maintain a good, healthy, physical health regime. But I'm not just talking about physical fitness. I'm also talking about emotional fitness. God designed us, I am, because we are. We are designed to live with one another. And the Bible says, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I must have a lot of time to think lately. So my, my youngest son, Zen Zen, he is a monster. <laughs> I, I know, I know. There are people who tell me, stop saying your son is a monster. Okay, but he's a cute little baby monster. <laughs> Every morning when he wakes up, he has a standard regime. He will wake up in the morning, he will go downstairs, and then he will watch YouTube before he goes to school. So this father, being the illiterate in cartoons, one day I went to watch his cartoon, and I got a revelation watching his cartoon. You know, I, I saw all these cute little animals that he watched that transform into something else. And man, they don't just transform. They actually group together and become one giant, giant robot so that they could de destroy and defeat the ultimate bad guy. I watched with great enthusiasm. I was like, wow, it's intriguing. So I came back to office. I said, Kason, do you know these cartoons are amazing. Every one of them, they join together and become one big superhero. I tell you, that is such a good illustration for my sermon this week. Okay, so look at me. Pastor, what planet are you from? All the cartoons are like that. <laughs> so my mom never let me watch cartoon. So in order to illustrate this point, let's check out Voltron. All right. Oh yeah. How many of you watched Voltron before? Man, you guys are old. I never watched Voltron before. So I was quite intrigued that this lion formed the leg, formed the arms, and we formed the head. I thought this is the perfect illustration for being a community that when we are joined together, we are stronger. But you know what? That's the old version, obviously. And then I watch the new version and I have a new revelation. Okay, watch the new version, okay? Let's watch TV today. So cool like me, never seen this. In the, in the new one, I found out something. You know, every of those lions, like the yellow one, the blue one, the green one, the red one, every one of them is self-sufficient. They are, they, are, they are a lion by itself. But in order to fit into the big Voltron, every one of them has to change. Every one of them has to adjust to fit in into the big picture. And it is such a beautiful picture of community. Every one of us is self-sufficient on our own. You're okay, one. You can go to work, you can cook your own food, you can have your friends, you can have your Facebook account, you're okay. But to be in a community, to be Voltron, we need to adjust. We cannot always have our own way. I, I want you to know, I'm going to watch Voltron from now on. I am sure there are sermon series I can come out as a result of that. But, but it was interesting that 
as I was checking out this Voltron thing, in the middle of Voltron is a cross. Can you see the cross up there? And then there's a crown. I don't know if the creator of Voltron is a Christian or he's trying to hide some message while the kids are watching. But I want you to know your emotional health is only possible if you and I are connected in a community. Amen? And you've got to adjust yourself to be a part of that. And so, if you've been wondering why the whole time Voltron is here, this is the first Voltron of my life. Number five, and with this, I close. Tom, future. The fifth foundation that I want you to build on. Of course, Voltron got five lions. I got five points. You can say, Pastor purposely designed the sermon. No, no, I'm, I'm not. Future. Everything that God has ever done or given to us is designed with our future in mind. God designed your life so that your future is secured. God put people in our lives so that our future is secured. And so God has given you and I the ability and the liberty to craft the future that we want to see and be in. And the best part is God is already there. It is, it, is, it is a battle that you cannot lose. It is a victory that is already given to you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this year, as you write your resolution, as you set the direction and the pace of your year, build it around this five foundation. Number one, build it around faith. Make sure that you make coming to church a priority every week. Rain or shine, sick or not well, or health, come to church. Take time alone every day to pray. Take time alone to read your Bible. Make time for your family. That is the second foundation. I command you to look them in the eyeball when you are talking to them. Don't look at your phone. Number three, lay a strong foundation when it comes to your finances. Don't spend what you don't have. If you learn to save now, when you're older, you will have money. You will spend everything now. When you're older, you have nothing. Let me assure you, the things that you will like when you're older are far better than things that you like when you're younger. I have been young, and now I'm not young anymore. I want to tell you, build reserves in your life. Every month, set aside money for your future. Fourth foundation, build on your fitness. Not just your physical health, but your emotional health. Don't wait anymore. Get the app, join the team, get to know people. Because these people will help and support you. And finally, plan your future. Think about your future. And so, I want to encourage all of us to go after these goals. Go after a life of love, the Bible says, as if your life depended on it, because it does. A futurist is a lover. A futurist is a lover. If this life is not pursued with love, everything would be dull. If you have no love, then who are you cooking for? If you have no love, who are you building this house for? If you have no love, who are you going to share the simple joys of life? Your life without love would be colorless, meaningless. You and I will not last the distance. You will not finish this race. Faith turns into an obligation without love. Family turns into a chore without love. You wake up, it's like, am I doing this again? Finance turns into a bondage without love. Because you're never giving, it's always for yourself. 
fitness turns into a burden. You're no longer keeping fit for longevity. You're keeping fit for some reasons not out of love. Future turns into a baggage. Without love, it's nothing to look forward to. Love is the fuel for the journey. Amen? Because love builds us from the inside out. I want us to go after a life of love and everybody say Amen. Last week, we pledged and uh, you know, I want to end our service today by talking about this. Last year, as a church, we raised a total of 7 million for all our expenses, for the mission work, for our church, for our building, for our church planting endeavor, everything else to run this church, we raised 7 million. But last week, I shared with the church, we don't want just seven this year. And I really believe God with all my heart, the time comes that we are going to wrap this up and this chapter of our church that we don't have to pay for the building anymore. So 2019, we're believing God. For the first time, I have the courage to tell you and the courage to believe that it can be done. This year, our vision is to raise 7 million plus another crazy 7 million to pay up all the debts for the building and everything else. So I, I just know in my heart that God is sending us out to plant more churches. We're going to have collective Bangsa. We're going to have collective in KL. We're going to have a church in Manila. We're going to have a church in Malacca so soon. And I just want you to know God is putting the right people. But I don't want this building to be a burden to all of us. So if we can nail this, we can go straight out. And how do we plan to do that? So we have 800 regular givers in our church every month. There are more people. There are about 1,500 of us, but 800 regular givers. If you are regular in our church, but you're not a regular giver, I want to ask you to extend your heart to give to the vision of God. Like me, I want to give to the vision of God, so I want to do everything I can, so I will always have seeds in my hand to sow. So out of the 800 people, if 800 regular givers can give a total every month of 1,500 ringgit. 1,500 ringgit each month. Can we have the slide up? Yes. So every month, if we can set aside this amount, whether it is your tithe, your offering, your missions, your building fund, and group it to become one giving each month, we will solve this problem. But it's not compulsory. You give from what you can. Those of us who can give more, give more. As a student, if you're learning to give 100 a month, you know, and you're learning, it's a great journey. It forms the habit of managing your finances. We want to ask, if you have been pledged, I want to ask our ushers, can you help to serve the church? Any one of you who hasn't gotten the collective kit for 2019, can you lift up your hands? Our church will, ushers will serve you. Just pass it down here. I want you to pray over it. Ask God, because God, how can I be a part of your mission here on earth this year through our church?